Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello! Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. This is a very special live edition, inaugural live edition. Andy Barron's over here, uh, as I will be on many Monday podcasts, and that's Dalton Del Don over there. If you are watching us live, that's awesome. That's great. Drop some questions in the chat. We'll be answering a whole bunch later in the show. If you are not watching us live, um, but instead listening to us like a day late, like a, just a regular old school podcast, it's fine. You'll receive partial credit. That's okay. But you can watch these things live now. That's fun. Uh, I will be doing this pod live again every Monday morning in August at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific. It's viewable on the Yahoo Sports accounts on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, whatever else there is, and streaming on the Yahoo Sports app as well. Um, You cannot escape me. While you're listening to us, if you haven't already, go sign up for a fantasy league on Yahoo Fantasy. You can trash talk your friends, your relatives, your coworkers, whoever. Download the Yahoo Fantasy app. Or go to yahoosports.com slash fantasy football. Also, please get yourself signed up for Yahoo Fantasy Plus, uh, where you will find tools and data and analysis and all kinds of stuff, a free, breezy, little delightful newsletter that I'm writing uh, that you will not be able to find anywhere else on Yahoo platforms. Whew, that was a lot of preamble. Dalton, how are you? It's been a little while. Doing well, Andy. Thanks for having me on. I'm not sure what you're thinking, having a loose cannon like myself on the live stream, but I'm even more, it's more curious with the powers that be have you, old man barons, doing this technology stuff. And I don't know, this could end up as a disaster. <laughs> it really is, actually. Every time that we've recorded a podcast, I've had some sort of technological hiccup, disaster, um, uh, uh, some sort of roadblock behind the scenes that, that no one notices because we have wonderful producers. But I am, in fact, the last person that anyone should pick for a thing like this. It's true. It's a, it's a fair comment. You will no doubt make a lot of unfair, hot takey comments throughout the course of this pod, but that one was was totally reasonable. I'll give you credit for it. Before we get into some camp stories, and that's really what we're going to go through today, we're going to talk about some of the buzziest players and the like unbuzziest players in camp so far. Uh, I want to hit a couple of pieces of breaking news, the first of which affects me probably more than any other fantasy manager that I can imagine. Devontae Smith, uh, who I like literally, this is not even a joke. I have him on every dynasty roster that I've drafted to date, which is like a zillion dynasty rosters. Uh, He's dealing with a knee sprain and it's there. We're calling it week to week. Uh, Adam Schefter says it's an MCL. So that's not the worst news. Um, I think we've all, if you've been playing fantasy for a few years, you've seen some MCL sprains and you know, roughly about the timeline. It's, it's something like two to four weeks. Schefter is saying two to three. 
But still, there's there's no way to give this thing positive spin. Ian Rappaport kind of tried, but uh, it, it's not it's not great. We would prefer not to have a rookie missing any time in camp whatsoever. Uh, Dalton, have you have you adjusted ranks at all on this news? Yeah, I dropped him down a half dozen spots. I mean, because you simply have to. I mean, I ascribe by the Pianowski, you know, why invite injuries uh, to your fantasy team when they're going to come inevitably. But still, if he's ready for for the regular season, there's just no other receivers there in Philly. And he is impressive. Um, so, yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, Jalen Rieger was uh, he, he failed the conditioning test. So, uh, I, uh, man, it, it, but a rookie without any training camp is going to be tough for Smith to hit the ground running, you know. So this is uh, obviously unfortunate news. It could be worse, it sounds like. But, um, yeah, I dropped him a half dozen spots, but I'm still interested in drafting him because he looked so electric before and the situation's so so ripe for immediate targets. Yeah, I feel the same way. And, and you know, to your, to your point about what Scott Pianowski always reminds us not to run to trouble, especially this time of year, and this is an injured player, I think we can feel pretty confident in the recovery timeline here, though. I'm not, this isn't an injury where I would necessarily worry like, oh boy, is this thing going to drag out into October? That's not going to happen. It seems like it's a pretty mild MCL sprain. And again, we've, we've all, if you haven't experienced it personally, we've all experienced it in our fantasy lives, right? Like we kind of know the timeline here. And as you say, I, I just, I just don't see a lot of competition for him as the number one overall target in that offense. I still think he's probably Probably in line for 120 or more targets there. Jalen Rager wasn't good last year, failed the conditioning test. Dallas Goddard also failed the conditioning test. I mean, there's just not a lot of viable receiving options there. So I think on volume alone, we have to we have to remain interested in him, right? And Miles Sanders finished 44th out of 45, 45 backs in PFF's receiving grades last year. He was just like an abomination as a receiving back, too. So, yeah, uh, Jalen Hurts, my guy, who I'm still buying, and he is just sinking in, in drafts, by the way. People are concerned maybe the Deshaun Watson trade factor, but Hurts, I know the weapons don't look great, but, man, the fantasy upside still remains. He's just going to run the ball so much, and he was so aggressive throwing the ball downfield. I'm still bullish on him, despite who the heck is he going to throw it to, despite the question mark. <laughs> Yeah, I like that call on Hurts. He was he was 60 plus rushing yards a game last year. Like it's really hard to mess that up fantasy wise. Not going to happen. The other the other news item that I think we need to throw out there, even though this situation was beautifully handled by Scott Pianowski on on yesterday's podcast. So like I don't we don't need to deep dive into Carson Wentz all over again. But we did learn today that that Wentz uh, will indeed undergo foot surgery. Uh, not great. And the team's initial timeline for his recovery is just so uselessly, hilariously wide that, that you know, this is one of those situations where Pianowski reminds us, hey, don't run to trouble. Y- you shouldn't do it here because they've told us that it is a five to 12 week injury. I don't know what to do with that. Appar- apparently a bone is being removed. Um, five weeks is you might be ready for week one and 12 weeks is we'll like, we'll see you in November. So that's just, that's, that's too much for me. I've taken him actually outside the top 32 in my, in my quarterback ranks. This has obviously impacted every Indianapolis receiver for me. I'm, I'm probably out on them all now. Um, I I feel like there's going to be somebody who likes Pittman a little bit more than I do. It probably impacts Jonathan Taylor. Again, they've gone over this on uh, uh, on the previous podcast, so we don't have to dive into it again. We probably have to think of the Tennessee Titans right now as the overwhelming favorite in that division, right? 
Well, that's the thing with Wentz. Not only did he lead the NFL in sacks and turnovers, playing just 12 games last year, he's been injury prone throughout his career. So I was down on Wentz. um, But there's a big difference between being the 25th best quarterback and having the league worst offense. So the key takeaway here is Jonathan Taylor simply has to be downgraded some. It's a big concern with Eason looking at five to 12 starts. So um, yeah, I'll I'll counter on that. I, I hear you about the Titans for sure. This is a big, big problem for the Colts, no matter how down you were on Wentz. Uh, the downgrade here could be significant. I, I think that I got Jacksonville at 12 to one about six weeks ago to win this division. Obviously I'm liking that more. The Titans oh, lost Arthur that, yeah. Smith. They're, they lost Arthur Smith. Their defense was really, really struggled, especially uh, rushing the passer down the stretch last year. So I don't know. Their schedule's much tougher. Um, I, I don't know if Trevor Lawrence really is a generational talent. I mean, why not? They have interesting skill position players. So I like Jacksonville as a long shot. They're the one. They're the team playing the last place schedule. Or the Titans. It's tough to to win the division three years in a row. You know, and be like the top there. So their schedule's tougher. Derrick Henry has 800 carries the last two years. So. I like Jacksonville. So the odds <laughs> I've not looked at recently, but but I'm curious what their odds are now. Yeah, no, that's a it's a really good call on Jacksonville. Um, purely from a purely from a betting perspective, I'm I'm with you there. Also, I want to underscore what you said about Jonathan Taylor because like it, if Dalton Del Don is downgrading Jonathan Taylor, then you then you know he needs a downgrade because nobody's been more bullish on him from the moment he entered the league. Heck, from the moment he entered the draft, right? Than than you were. You've been excited about, excited about him. And if even you are willing to say, hey, we got we got to drop him a couple of notches, then we really do have to drop him a couple of slots in the ranks. Um, it is just, you know, I, I know that there's an example every year of a running back that's attached to it was it was uh, James Robinson last year in Jacksonville. Right. There's always an example of a running back who's tied to a bad offense who nonetheless heroically cobbles together a great season. But it's not like that shouldn't be our plan. And if we think an offense uh, is diminished by the loss of a quarterback, then we can't possibly feel good about the running back, right? But as TJ Hernandez pointed out in the Pianowski pod perfectly, uh, it requires 90% of the touches to be the James Robinson. And there was already concern there with Marlon Mack returning. So, uh, and as you pointed out, teams that have really bad yards per drive, the the dregs offenses, it's very difficult to produce a top five fantasy back. You have to get in all of the volume for that to happen. I think Jonathan Taylor's a special talent. He's great. But with the question marks there as a receiver, you know, and the the volume to go with, you know, a league worst, league bottom quarterback situation now is really not ideal. If you're going to take him in the first round, it's, it's it's a stretch. It's funny, the one team that, that seems to consistently produce great running backs on terrible offenses is the Jags, right? It was James Robinson, but it used to be Maurice Jones-Drew all the time, too, right? Like, he had some, he had some incredible years on terrible teams. But enough about that entire division right now. And before we, we begin to wrestle with any of the questions that you're going to pose for us in the, in the, in the chat boxes, we are going to hit some of the buzziest early camp stories. This stuff is always fun, sort of sorting out what, what is meaningful that we're hearing in camp from what is, is just fluff, from what is just pure sunshine that we, that we encounter uh, in camps every year. We're going to play a little bit of believe or make believe with a handful of storylines. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot on some players. Uh, we're going to talk some well-hyped players, some unhyped players. And I, I want to start off with uh, an opportunity really for you to just take a victory lap and, and for me to take a little bit, bit of a victory lap too, because I have C.D. Lamb all over the place. Been doing a lot of best ball drafting, been doing a lot of dynasty startups, and I got CeeDee Lamb everywhere. And he is literally feeding the internet like a highlight touchdown or two or three 
every day from practice. I was just excitedly texting with uh, uh, Dallas beat writer Michael Gelkin about him, and Gelkin didn't exactly, you know, back me off in any way from CeeDee Lamb. I've got him right now as my wide receiver 10. You've got him as your wide receiver 9. I feel like people are catching up to to that being CeeDee Lamb's rank as we really come into draft season. Um, I, I don't know. Say nice things about him. What do you think his ceiling is? What do you think his floor is? Everyone loves him. I had the first pick in the third round in a draft recently and nearly took him over A.J. Brown. I'm buying the hype. I, I do worry we are just assuming that Amari Cooper, you know, is going to be, you know, we heard the, the surgery and then we're just bumping him up. But And Cooper is going to be back and ready for the regular season. But Lamb, man, his snap percentage is going to go way up this season. I know he benefited from playing exclusively out of the slot, but he put up those TD numbers as a rookie uh poor quarterback play and only playing like 60% of the of the snaps. So the sky is the limit. This Dallas team averaged the most combined plays per game last year, the highest pace in the NFL indoors. Hopefully Dak's okay, of course. Uh, and Gallup is looking really good as well. But it's just those three guys, you know, who knows about the tight end situation and a, and a declining, da- uh, sorry, Zeke and a bad defense. So love the setup here. I mean, what, what Prescott was on pace to shatter the NFL record in passing yards last year before going down. So CD, the, the biggest uh, leap is year two for wide receivers. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm buying the hype. Uh, CD Lamb just looks so, so good. I mean, would it surprise anyone if he pulled down 15 touchdowns? That's that's the thing. Even if he's not like the does is not top five in targets and the yardage is a somewhat disappointment. Man, just that touchdown floor to me is why I love him. Right. I, I fully agree with that. Um, like it's totally in play for Dallas to have the league's best offense this season, and if not the best offense, certainly a top five offense. You look at the pace that Dak was on last year and not that I'm not trying to suggest that that pace is sustainable. It, it, it wasn't right. Like it was crazy. He was piling up, you know, I think he averaged 371 passing yards per week in his first five games, which is just ludicrous. And if you actually extend that over 17 games, it gets you like 6,000 yards. <laughs> and I'm not saying that Dak's going to have a 6,000 yard season, right? But to, to sort of channel our colleague, Matt Harmon, it's okay to like more than one receiver tied to an offense. You know, like you, you can be in on Cooper and Gallup and Lamb, if, you know, you probably can't have them all on one fantasy team, but you can have them across the portfolio. Like if if that is your level of of certainty about Dallas's offense, and it's just going to be great. If if Dak is healthy, man, um, it, again, he's, he's not going to be like a 5,500-yard quarterback, but like 5,000 yards is definitely in play for this guy. He's been a 4,900-yard quarterback. And last year, he really only needed to average something like 315 or something like that for the rest of the season to break the single-season yardage record. And the game he left was midway through the third quarter, and one of the four <laughs> games they played before that was in, was in L.A. against the Rams. That defense allowed the fewest yards per play last year. So, I mean, he, he came against the toughest yeah. opponent, one of the four, and he left midway through that. I mean, the, yeah, he was on pace to just totally shatter it. So I'm all in on, on the Cowboys. I moved Zeke to my third overall player, and I'd take any three of those receivers, and I like Jarwin later. So, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously all in, and everyone loves CD. We're not breaking any news here, but let's just say I, I'm buying the hype. I mean, I'm all in. I love You love the hype. Highlights, but man, I, I think that yeah, superstardom. Just to, to think that the Raiders took rugs over him, I mean, it's just it's just wild. Oh gosh, right. Uh, to your credit, you were you were hyping him two months ago, right? Like that was that was the moment where I was like, okay, I need my I need my ranks to actually reflect what I'm doing in drafts. So, Lamb, obviously uh, a, a super buzzy player. I want to also get to a player that you've now mentioned a couple of times, and that's Zeke Elliott. Just a just a little nugget from from Dallas camp. Uh, we've heard Mike McCarthy like, like these are his words. Quote: 
it's not necessary for Zeke to run the ball 25 to 30 times a game. Uh, and he was he was speaking of this in, in, not so much in terms of Zeke being, you know, on the downside or anything like that. He was really talking about managing Zeke's workload so that they could get to December and actually give him the ball 25 to 30 times a, a game. Right. So that they could get into meaningful football in December and January and they could just ride him. But. When we hear a coach say that, it, it means that obviously he's got a role in mind for Tony Pollard, who everybody loved last year and the year before. It wasn't hard to find a fantasy expert who would tell you that they kind of liked the way Pollard was running a little bit better than the way they liked Zeke was running last year. So um, what do you make of this news? I mean, it, does, it doesn't rule out the possibility that Zeke still averages 20 touches a game, which is totally fine, which puts him you know, near the league leaders in terms of, of workload. You, you mentioned that Zeke is number three in your ranks right now. Is that is that a new thing? Is that is that going to hold knowing that he has presumably no shot at getting to, to 25, 30 touches a game? That's been a couple weeks now. And normally I'm about the young guy up and comer and I'm, I'm, I'm out on backs like 26 years old. But Zeke, I'm closer to putting number one on my overall than I am number four. I mean, this he led all running backs in pass snaps last year, so he does not lead the leave the field. I get Pollard, people like, but his actually even the nerd stats, he was not that good last year. And, and Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott had 14 carries inside the five yard line last year with that. Yeah. 14 carries in those four games at the goal line. I mean, the the setup here is so good. He does not have to be a real life top five. Uh, NFL running back, which he's not anymore. Although he did show up in great shape. And I know people make fun of the best shape of your life. Sometimes it leads to Vladimir Guerrero becoming the best hitter in baseball. Sometimes these stories do matter. So he took it seriously the down year last year. Um, I think the volume will be there, even if it's more targets. I don't care if it's 25 carries. I mean, whatever. I think their goal line carries on a great offense that we talked about. This team combined for the most plays at the highest pace. You just love the setup here. So Zeke, like I said, I'm closer to moving him to number one on my board than I am uh, to number four. Yeah, that was another thing that Gelkin was saying, not that it's breaking any news because other uh, plenty of other folks have been talking about it and there have been pictures and all that. But Zeke really is, uh, according to people who are on, on the ground in his presence, uh, a best shape of his life guy right now. So that's pretty exciting. So it's all, it's all good news on that front. Again, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too worried about the fact that a, a coach is saying a guy's not going to get 25 to 30 touches a game because, come on, that's uh, excessive over a full season anyway. Let, let's talk about the Saints and let's talk about the greatest camp competition going on right now, uh, in my opinion, and that's the Taysom Hill, Jameis Winston situation. They are both getting first team reps. Taysom working with the first team offense on Friday at Saints camp. Like, this is fun. A lot of other things are going wrong for New Orleans right now on both sides of the ball. Uh, Michael Thomas isn't going to be available for I, I, who knows, like midseason, after midseason. It's going to be a while before we see Michael Thomas. Who, just let me know who you're rooting for here in this competition and who you've been drafting if if you're drafting either one of them. For sure, Taysom Hill. I'm way down on Winston yeah. here. First of all, New Orleans, is this now the worst set of wide receivers and tight ends in the league? I mean, without Michael it, Thomas. It really it's, is. It's, it's, <laughs> it really is. It, I think it is. And and uh, even if Jameis Winston wins the starting job, you got to understand that a best-case scenario still features Hill coming in at the goal line, taking away a ton of touchdowns. Yeah. So I don't see any upside at all at Winston because I get it in the past. Those pick sixes were great for his fantasy value. Not going to happen with Sean Payton and a, and a, and a New Orleans team that's going to try to win by using Camara and defense and their offensive line. So I think Taysom Hill... Uh, is is the guy to go after. And, I, and his price remains fine. His ADP remains totally gettable. And I love his upside, even if he has all the fumbles and he's not great real life. Man, fantasy-wise, he's totally valuable because of his rushing ability. So I really, really like Taysom Hill and totally ignoring Winston. What about you, Andy? 
Yeah, no, uh, I agree with that take. And I hate to give, you know, I, I feel like this is a drum that, that our mutual friend Michael Salfino has been beating for a long time. Like the entire fantasy community should be rooting for Taysom Hill to get this job. Um, it was like, I, I'll admit it wasn't, it wasn't always great for Alvin Kamara last year when Taysom Hill was a quarterback, right? Kamara was injured at the simultaneously. So that that's a small issue. But if we just care about the, the fantasy value of the quarterbacks that we're talking about here, I mean, Taysom has a path to a, to a top 10, top eight, I don't know, top five positional finish. Cause he's, he is one of those dual threat guys. Like we, we know we don't like the receiving core when Michael Thomas isn't part of it. Taysom Hill will, will rush for 80 yards. Like that's very much in play. A couple of rushing touchdowns and 80 rushing yards is not even a really an exceptional day for Taysom Hill. So he's got that path, which we just don't see with Jameis at all. And as you say, if Jameis is the starting quarterback, it doesn't mean we're not going to see Taysom Hill. Like they're going to get in goal to go situations and Taysom is going to, is going to take a couple of those snaps and, 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 presumably poach a bunch of those touchdowns. So like Taysom is the path here. And and I actually see him, if you're in any kind of fantasy format where you are tempted to take a second quarterback, I love taking Taysom as my second quarterback. Right. And for a while there, like really early in, in sort of best ball season, especially if I was at a, 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 one of the turns, I I might try to double up really late in a draft and take both Taysom and Jameis. And now I'm just kind of looking at at Taysom. I don't. I don't think I have a great deal of of interest in Jameis at all. Uh, again, because the the, I mean, Taysom just isn't going to go away. He's absolutely not going to go away. So I agree with you there. I share your concerns about Kamara here, but at least there was that one game where Taysom targeted him, I believe, ten times, and they have the whole offense to just cater their offense around him. The other concern there, though, is Taysom Hill taking some goal line rushing touchdowns. That obviously no one expects twenty one more scores from Kamara, but yeah, I would say I agree with that assessment. Still remains though, if you're a Kamara guy, you you probably do want Winston to win that job. But otherwise, yeah, we're we're lockstep the same here. Go Taysom Hill. Okay, now we're going to talk about a quarterback situation that um, I I kind of feel like we're only talking about this because uh, our producer Brett Rader might might want us to talk about it. We're going to talk about the Broncos a little bit. Uh, I don't know if you heard, but Aaron Rodgers not going to be the Broncos quarterback this year. Uh, that that was certainly the hope of anybody who drafted Cortland Sutton really early on. Uh, Coach Fangio says there is no separation between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, I believe I did uh, see a tweet that Teddy had thrown a pick in in camp just today on Monday. Uh, Drew Locke reportedly went like four days in a row without throwing an interception in camp, which is kind of crazy and very undrew Locke like. Uh, what is your excitement level generally for Denver's offense? We don't have to pretend that we want either of these guys in Superflex or anywhere else. That's fine. But they have a ton of weapons. No offense, really interesting. Judy is interesting. Patrick was great last year. Cortland Sutton is, you know, when he's at his best, is phenomenal. So this is a bunch of really interesting weapons with uh, maybe a not so great quarterback situation. What's your take on this? Uh, as someone with a 50 to one Super Bowl ticket on the Broncos, I'm bummed. Uh, originally, I was hoping Deshaun Watson, <laughs> then later Aaron Rodgers traded there. So now I, I, I'm much more excited about my 50 to one San Francisco Giants World Series ticket. But that's for another podcast. But um, as the Broncos, yeah, this this roster is absolutely is Super Bowl ready, except for the most important position. I mean, not we all know the receivers <laughs> uh, there, but but Mike Clay as their defense as the number one defense in football right now is his graded unit. So I mean, man. Uh, if it's if, uh, if it would have been so perfect for for Rodgers, all uh, Peyton Manning, but um, it is what it is. Here and now, we're we're stuck with you know mediocre. Uh, I, does it matter to to you? I mean, you changing your Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton um, ranks? Who wins the job here? I haven't really cared too much, <laughs> and I'm kind of avoiding them. So so yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not not too, not too concerned about who wins this job. Uh, what, do, you, do you have a different take? 
Yeah, the like the injury recovery news on Sutton hasn't been perfect, right? Um, it, it doesn't seem like he's like fully 100% ready to go right now. I, I wasn't, there's always somebody who's a little bit more enthusiastic about, about Jerry Judy than me. I do, I, I kind of long for the day, and maybe this is the Iowa fan in me, but I'm, I'm you know, someday I want Noah Fant to have a great quarterback in the NFL because I think he could really have a year. So I'm still interested in him in the, in the unlikely event that I don't land one of the the sort of big five or six tight ends um i'm still interested in noah fant a little bit but no i like you make a good point i don't i don't care much which quarterback is starting because i don't think they're they're terribly i mean we will get maybe two or three yolo throws each game from drew lock that we will just absolutely not get from teddy bridgewater and he can occasionally hit those, right? Like we saw it with Tim Patrick a couple times last year. And and that's fun. So maybe I'd give the offense just a little bit of a bump overall with, with Drew Locke at the controls if Drew Locke can actually be good um, or good-ish, good enough. I don't know. But uh, to your point, there's there's not a whole lot separating them. One thing I will say, I originally a month ago had Sutton as my highest uh, ranked uh, Broncos receiver, but I've since moved Judy ahead of him. Uh, Sutton supposedly it's not fully recovered from the knee injury, as you pointed out, and Judy just looking so good, you know, with all these route running and who cares about the drops last year. So that is one. Oh, another move I will say, I'm moving Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon closer together too. Don't, Javante Williams doesn't jump off the page workout metrics and and, and Melvin Gordon's going to be a thing. Sorry, I, I, I'm way more into ETN than I am Williams. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, um, because I've had Melvin Gordon uh, on on top of Javante Williams. And I just feel like the the old man, the old man in fantasy who just who just sticks to like the old guys. But Melvin Gordon was pretty good last season. It's one of those situations where I just don't see I don't see why they would put Melvin Gordon out to pasture this year necessarily. Like I'm I get that we think Javante Williams is going to be the running back of the future. There is a learning curve to the NFL. There, there is a pass protection learning curve. There's a receiving learning curve. There's, I mean, they, Melvin Gordon was the guy who caught passes out of that backfield last year. Not that he caught a ton, but he was the guy that caught passes for them. He's the guy that they trust inside the inside the ten yard line. I, I don't, I don't know why that's going to change. I, I know that Williams was a really buzzy uh, uh, player coming into the draft before he even landed in Denver. Um, but people have heard me enough if they've listened to this podcast about the ACC running backs in general. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that every running back who was atop the leaderboard and missed tackles played in the ACC. I mean, they're all good, but I think that's a reflection of the conference as much as it is the talent of the players. Right. So I'm I feel like we're a little bit out over our skis on on Williams. And I'm happy to I'm happy to take Melvin Gordon late. Like sometimes people even ridicule the pick. If you take you take Melvin Gordon, like outside the top 10 rounds and people still roll their eyes at it. But I think there's a really good chance that he actually leads that backfield in yardage. Yeah, I think it's going to be a committee until if an injury does occur, there's upside there, as pointed out, with the receivers and the defense or whatever. But yeah, I think that those two are closer together uh, than than the draft uh, that ADP has shown so far. All right, let's let's rifle through a, a couple additional camp stories here, and I want to I want to pit a couple of rookie receivers against each other for you, and you can just tell me who you like a little bit better coming into drafts. Elijah Moore has been plenty buzzy uh, for the Jets. Coach Sala has been saying really nice things about him, right? Like there's been some nice film on him coming out of training camp, but oh my God, Rashad Bateman has had some highlights as well, like long touchdowns. He's smoking pretty good defensive backs in practice. Um, So both of them generating a lot of buzz. If you can only choose one, which I don't know why that would be the case, but let's just say you can only choose one of these guys in a draft. Maybe you're limiting yourself in terms of rookies. Um, Which one is it? 
I have them ranked very closely. I have Elijah Moore slightly ahead now just because the hype has been out of control. Uh, Zach Wilson's funny, horrible first day and then really bounced back. Uh, saw that bomb. But but I could easily be talked out of that because breaking news here right before we started recording is Marquise Brown's uh, hamstring injury is more significant than originally believed. So obviously that would be a boost for Bateman. So I have them very closely. I'm not a huge college guy, so I'm going off, you know, people I respect more so than my personal tape watching. But do you have, do you have an opinion on, on either of these two rookie wideouts? Yeah, I've started to lean Bateman and not that we can not that we can reliably project touchdowns, but man, I just I just like Baltimore's offense so much and I'm so tied to Lamar Jackson. I've got so much Lamar Jackson already. Really and I, listen, I think he is by far the safest way to invest in the in the Ravens offense, but I am I am really interested in Bateman. Kid was a really impressive collegiate player. I, I fully expect it to extend into the NFL. And it's not it's just not going to surprise me if he finishes the season with eight touchdowns um and it would probably shock me if more did the same again touchdowns super volatile very difficult to predict but i i, I think bateman's upside there a little bit higher i think yeah roto viz pointed out some metrics that he hit that they're really they really really like him and then uh elijah moore i mean Corey davis got paid and jameson crowder's back there in the slot too so i mean i love it i'm buying the hype but yeah there's a lot of there's some still some hurdles there for sure yeah, Crowder remaining on the Jets is is just is a total head scratcher. I don't know. I don't know why that had to. There's a bunch of receiver needy teams out there. Jamison Crowder is good. They've got his long term replacement. I don't know why he's still there. Um, let, let's get to a let's get to a camp story that I I really I kind of buried it here, and I know it's one that that you're always anxious to talk about, and that is Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, it does not appear that Trey Lance is overmatched in in any way. Uh, there's been a lot of hype about him. He's running the ball in practice and doing it effectively. Um, we've seen some really nice highlights. And I also feel like the next positive headline about Jimmy Garoppolo from camp will be the first positive headline that I've seen. There's just not a lot of buzz out there. Uh, a couple days ago, uh, former Yahoo, Doug Farrar dropped what I, what I thought was a really good comparison. It's not perfect, but I thought a really good comparison. He's the first person that I saw use the, uh, the, the Matt Flynn, Russell Wilson comparison to Trey Lance and, and Jimmy Garoppolo. And it does kind of have that feel, except Trey Lance was a top three overall pick and those guys generally play. So like, is this going to be a week one thing? Is there like, what, I don't, what are the odds that we, that we see Trey Lance behind center opening week? So even Kyle Shanahan doesn't exactly know how this is going to play out. And I, he just said that, and I truly believe him. I really do. There's not enough information we have here now, but I will say this as a Niners guy. And as someone, despite having a Jimmy G bobblehead right out of video shot right here next to me, um, <laughs> man, Trey Lance, I think right away is just going to be a top 10 fantasy QB just because of that rushing ability. Not, I mean, obviously the situation there with with the offensive line that looks terrific and, and the, the the Shanahan system and the, and the wide receivers. Um, this dude ran for 1,100 yards in college and, and 14 touchdowns. I mean, Fields is going to help you with his legs too, but he ran for like 400 yards in college. You know, I mean, Lance's rushing ability. I get it. It was uh, lower to, you know, not the power five and, and he was, uh, you know, running over smaller kids. But man, I, I just think the fantasy upside with his legs is through the roof. And um, it's going to be sooner rather than later. And I found myself in a weird position here because I, I've I've realized that it's more important than ever to get those running quarterbacks to top eight. I've been willing to go round four and five, the Josh Allens, Dak Prescotts. But at the same time, I think uh, it's the most obvious situation to just get Trey Lance in rounds 12 through 15 and just sit on them and, and the upside's right there. So in Superflex, uh, they're adding all these guys, Trevor Lawrence, um, Fields, uh, uh, even Zach Wilson can run. There are so many 
good, interesting quarterbacks in the league. You simply should be playing Superflex is my main takeaway. But Trey Lance going to be a fantasy star eventually. I don't have the answer for when, but he's worth stashing until we find out. Okay, so my biggest concern with him, and it's not it's not much of a concern for him, but it but it is for the receivers that are attached to this offense because we want to like Brandon Ayuk a whole lot. He's great. Um, I obviously am partial to George Kittle. Everybody is. He's generally the third tight end off the board or the second tight end off the board, depending on your preference. Um, he's great. Debo Samuel's fun. Uh, but how much are they really going to throw if it's if it's Trey Lance? He's a he's a terrific runner. We know what Shanahan kind of sort of wants to do, right? They've got Mostert. They've got Sermon. They've got a stable of running backs. Um, they've got a great defense. They've got a really good offensive line. They look like they're built to run the ball 30-plus times a game. Um, so is this going to be a situation where Trey Lance takes over and he's the only safe way to invest in the passing game at all because they're only throwing it 25 times a game? That's a concern because their defense, if it stays healthy, projects to be uh, strong. They have by far the easiest schedule when you look at Vegas projected win totals, too. So that's another concern for Jimmy G starting. You know, they might just be 6-0 and because of the, you know, the, the roster around him. My, my thoughts on that, though, still, while they may be nursing leads and game script may not call for a lot of passes. And the, you're right, they're, they're even talking about running the ball 500 times. Uh, Debo Samuel had more yards after the catch than he did receiving yards last year. So just the way they use him on those jet sweeps and whatnot, I think he'll get his. They have a very narrow tree. They're still trying to figure out the number three wide receiver. I mean, Mohamed Sanu is the current favorite right now. George Kittle, I actually have, uh, I have, I love him. You know, we both love him like, uh, like our son. I mean, he's the greatest, he's the best real life <laughs> tight end with his blocking ability. But I moved him below Kyle Pitts in fantasy. You know, he's just not used around the goal line. He's He misses Ooh, wow. two to four games every year. So I, he's kind of a stay away for me. But Ayuk, I'm all in. This guy had the second most targets inside the five behind only Devontae Adams last year. And he was a rookie and he played 12 games. So uh, I'm in on Ayuk. And, and one thing about Lancer may not be a lot of targets, but I think there'll be high value targets. And there'll be more downfield. There's already saying all in camp, man. Jimmy G just refuses to throw the ball downfield. Ayuk does run the whole route tree, unlike Debo. He will go downfield, and Lance has that cannon and will hit him. So I think Ayuk, I know the hype is, is getting a little bit higher on him, but I'm a believer in him. And uh, I think that while the targets, I get it, they're a, con- a concern considering he did all his damage last year when Debo and Kittle were out, and this team may be running the ball a lot. I just think he, he gets the looks at the goal line and he's special. That year two breakout, um, I like Ayuk uh, quite a bit. But I could see the concern with the other, uh, you know, Debo's always hurt. He has that Jones fracture and Kittle is too. So there is some concern in the passing offense. But as far as Lance's fantasy upside, don't worry about the passing because he'll just, he's going to run yeah. the ball like crazy, man. Oh man, you can't you can't talk to Dalton Del Don for an hour without like the spiciest hot take that you've heard all day. Wow, Kyle Pitts above George Kittle is is a thing. I can see it. It's possible. Let's stick with tight end then, and you can tell me where you've got T.J. Hawkinson coming into the season. I know that nobody is excited about the Lions' offense. Certainly, I am not. I totally get it. But literally every Detroit beat writer is talking up the Jared Goff, TJ Hawkinson connection for, for whatever that's worth. Seems like the new Brady to Gronk to me. Um, I'm, I'm excited because I love Hawkinson as a player. He's an underrated athlete. And uh, this is another one of those situations where you don't have to like the quarterback and you don't have to like the team. But there is a real path for Hawkinson to lead all tight ends and targets or come really close. That's probably a, you know, that probably ain't happening. That's probably Kelsey. That's probably Waller. But top three in targets, that's that's out there, I think. 
Love them. Uh, my my number one goal in fantasy drafts this year is to come away with either Darren Waller, Kyle Pitts, or TJ Hawkinson. Uh, I think getting one of those elite tight ends, the difference maker, uh, really drops off afterward. It's like getting an elite fantasy catcher the right year, and I think those are the, my three targets, not necessarily buying Kelsey in round one coming off last year. I mean, it's fine, but I'm saying I'd rather Waller, you know, a round and a half later who matched his uh, production in the second half last year, plays indoors and is younger. But Hawkinson's right there with him. I Obviously, you don't love the quarterback situation but there's no one else to throw to he's dominating in spring it takes tight ends a few years to acclimate to the nfl his workout metrics are through the roof all in on hawk yeah i like hearing you put him in the in, in the same tier essentially maybe i'm putting words in your mouth there but but um, lumping him into the same I have him right below anyway kittle with, yeah with with kyle pitts and george kittle and that's not crazy like tj hawkinson was an amazing college player who as you say um great workout metrics too it's not like it's not like this is some bum that they're getting. This isn't Jack Doyle that they might end up accidentally throwing the ball to 130 times, right? Like this is a this is a really good athlete who's already had some special moments in the NFL. I'm I'm surprised that not everybody is sort of with us on on Hawkinson being kind of right there with Kyle Pitts. Yeah, no, me too. I, I get the situation isn't doesn't look ideal, but he's indoors with literally no other threats for target. I mean, he's yeah. I mean, and and he should be a real threat in, in the in the red area too. So yeah, I, I like Hawk. All right, take that, Dave Kluge. I've been arguing with him about TJ Hawkinson for like two months on Twitter. Let's move to let's move to New England and talk about Damian Harris because we've been getting a weird amount of buzz, like not just from Patriots beat writers, but also from Bill Belichick saying actual nice things about a human running back. Um, which is, it feels like that doesn't happen too often. We don't get a lot out of Belichick uh, that is that is unusually positive about specific running backs. But he he's talked up Damian Harris a little bit. Sure looks like Damian Harris is going to be, I don't know if I want to call him the featured runner, but he's going to be the back that sees the most snaps and the most touches. He has risen up uh, my ranks uh, quite a bit. I actually just drafted him as my RB2 in Raz Bowl. I felt pretty good about it too. Seen a bunch of clips from camp in which he is actually catching the football, which has not necessarily been a big part of his game at the pro level to this point. Uh, how are you feeling about him? Are you moving him up in the ranks or did you already have him uh, as, a, as a totally draftable RB2? I love Damian Harris. I didn't have anything to do with this outline, but you're asking me about my Niners guys and now Harris, whom I love. All-time leader <laughs> yards per carry at Alabama. Um, I get it in PPR leagues. It's a concern. The thing is, is that the 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 Patriots threw like the third most passes to the running backs last year, and he saw zero twos or, or very little or whatever. But man, this guy's impressing. And I know that quote seems like bad on, on the surface, but really that was effusive praise by Belichick. And um, uh, the key here will be when, when Cam Newton gets overtaken by Mac Jones for the goal line scores. But as soon as Mac takes over, even if the receptions don't, I'd be huge if, if Damian saw just 30 targets compared to, you know, none. But I think that he has legitimate double digit touchdown upside right uh, this year. And uh, yeah, I'm in on him. I have him. So basically how I describe Damian Harris is he's a, uh, a running back dead zone type guy who's available outside of the dead zone area. I mean, he has the same, you know, a bit of the question marks, but the same upside as a lot of those guys, but he's available in rounds eight, nine, and 10. So yeah, man, I mean, I, I really like Damien Harris. Yeah, I got to think that's going to change too. I, I got to think that he moves up into, I don't know, round, maybe he won't make it all the way to round five, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be in drafts where he goes in round six, that area. Um, he was a good player last year, like a five yard per carry guy, really never let us down when uh, game script was in his favor. The the only issue, and you definitely alluded to it, is Cam Newton taking all those, taking all the touchdowns, like all the rush attempts inside the five, right? That That is kind of going to be Cam's domain. I don't, 
I haven't read enough to make me think that that Cam Newton is not going to be um, the the quarterback that they lean on at the start of the season. It it seems pretty positive about Cam so far, right? And and they didn't draft Mac Jones in a spot where that guy's just got to play at some point soon, right? Like I I think they can take their time a bit with Mac Jones as long as they're competitive. So I feel like we're going to get several weeks of Cam, and, and if that's the case, it is it is the only is literally the only problem that I can see for Damian Harris. I've got him as an RB two right now though. That would be a problem because Cam, I believe, had the third most carries inside the five last year. And he's a quarterback who missed a game. I mean, you know, the other two are the, yeah. the usual suspect running backs. So um, I will say this. One more spicy take for you. I have Damian Harris ranked ahead of Josh Jacobs uh, this year. I, I really don't oh, in on it. Wow. I, I kind of love it. I definitely respect it. I think Josh Jacobs is like a whole podcast unto himself. It was obviously a disappointing season last year and he did fantasy owners no favors. Well, it wasn't totally disappointing because he did have, I think he had a dozen touchdowns, right? Like the touchdown total was good, but he wasn't the same guy that he had been as a rookie. I don't need to go on a thing about Josh Jacobs here. Um, but yeah, man, Jacobs is one of those guys who like you, you watch the game film and you love him, particularly his rookie year. He was phenomenal. But uh, that's, a, that's a tough one for me. I'm not there yet. I'm pretty high on Damian Harrison, but I'm not quite there yet with Josh Jacobs. A couple more running back situations that I want to ask you about, and then, and then we're just going we're, we're gonna to take a few questions from viewers. Uh, the first one, <laughs> I, let's talk about the Bears. Um, and I, I, I buried this a little bit. We, we've got Tariq Cohen on the, on the pup list um, and is reportedly still limping around at camp, right? Like doesn't, even off to the side, doesn't look great. We're not getting, you know, in the same way that we're getting all these grainy uh, shots of Saquon Barkley doing uh, phenomenal things way off in the background by himself at camp, we're not getting a lot of that with Tariq Cohen. It's like Tariq Cohen limping around on the sideline. So it doesn't seem like he's particularly close, which is, you know, that's theoretically, that's a good thing for David Montgomery, who of course was wonderful last year. He, you know, he got a bunch of layup matchups at the end of the season and he didn't blow any of them, which is sort of a, a, a hurdle that we expect good running backs to clear. And he did it. He was good. I don't think he's the most inventive or creative running back and he's not the fastest guy, but he's got some best shape of his life buzz in, in camp a little bit. But we also have Damian Williams here and and he's been catching everything in camp. So your view, is this a situation where Williams can just slide into some of those targets for Tariq Cohen? Or do we see David Montgomery uh, with something pretty close to a full workload like he had last year? I was wrong on David Montgomery. Um, credit where it's due, even though it was an easy schedule down the stretch, he took advantage of it and he looked good doing it. And just such a volume monster. And you said he's at faster this preseason. So I could see him even creeping into late round two here just because there's so few backs looking at that volume with Cohen down. But maybe I'm underrating Damian Williams, who's just a total unknown after sitting out last season. So you're the Bears guy. So you tell me. And then we have the Justin Fields uh, unknown factor, too. He'll bring in uh, ostensibly a better offense, but could be a, a, you know an issue around goal line TDs. So you tell me, Mr. Bears. I mean, what, what do you do with, with Montgomery? Because he's absolutely a key guy to get right in fantasy drafts this year. Because, I mean, do you put him right yeah, there you know, got- with that? With that group, where do you go? Sorry, go. I've I know I've got a weird amount of of Montgomery, and I didn't I didn't expect to get him anywhere. Like I I thought David Montgomery was going to come into this season as like uh, a, a late round two guy, right? I I thought that people were going to look at what he did at the end of last season. Again, I don't want to like I don't want to ding him. 
for having had a great schedule at the end of last season because he did what we want any good running back to do, and that's just absolutely crush it in in great matchups. Like he did that, um, and, and that's and that's to his credit. That's not like a, that's not a knock against him that he put up big numbers against bad defenses. I think that's awesome. I think he's looking at roughly the same workload that he that he had toward the end of last season. I think they're going to mix in Williams, but it's not like you know it's not like we didn't see Cordero Patterson play last year. Like the Bears rolled out some other guys. Other guys did get snaps. I think it's going to look an awful lot like that for Montgomery uh, to start this year. That I, I guess the one problem is they face a couple of really good defenses early. Uh, like the opening week matchup is the Rams. I don't think that's great for Montgomery. But when they get into to some of the cake matchups within the division, uh, I think Montgomery is going to be really fun. And so I've I've landed him, you know, th- third round. I feel I feel okay about that for David Montgomery. I've 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 picked him up a couple times, like late third round kind of in that same range that I'm also looking at CD lamb who we already talked about. Like, I think that's fine for Montgomery. If you, if you pay, he's one of those guys where like, if you, if you don't necessarily go with the full zero RB build, but you do start your draft at, with like wide receiver tight end, which I pretty commonly do when I'm picking late in the first round. I think if you do that and you can get David Montgomery somewhere near round three, round four, I think that's fine. I agree. You know, he's been steadily moving up my draft board all offseason up to number 15 right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's su- surprising where he's came, man. It looked like such a disappointment. And now, yeah, we're talking, talking ourselves into David Montgomery in round two. OK, last last buzzy camp story that I want to that I want to hit. And I, uh, gosh, I, it's almost painful to bring this name up because he's he's burned us enough times before and backup running backs on this team have burned us enough before. But Rashad Penny, also a member of the of the best shape of his life club. Uh, that's kind of exciting. He's lost like seven pounds. He's he's talking himself up. Uh, it, it's a it's a backfield that we know probably bro- belongs to Chris Carson, but they have rolled out a couple of different interesting players most years it's not going to be full committee um but there is room for i think another back to take a bunch of touches maybe it's eight ten a game that can matter certain weeks and it's a it's an offense that we know is going to run productively and they want to run more i I don't know you taking rashad penny anywhere coming off the injury yes not really with looking at to use him as a flex though it's just more of an injury and, and carson's always injured he runs hard um he invites contact I know that Carroll loves him, but if an injury were to happen, I mean, there's really what Alex Collins is the only back there. Uh, Penny, they took high, a lot of upside, a, a long shot at this stage of his career with all the injuries. But if he, you know, he's in shape and healthy now, why not throw him there with the Darrington Evans, uh, Latavius Murray's, you know, the the backups with upside. I'm going to put him kind of right there. Uh, you know, he won't cost as much, but yeah, what if Chris Carson went down and Penny's a starting back on the Seahawks? You know, I mean, suddenly he's a round two type value. Yeah, see, that's the thing. I, I agree with that. If anything were to happen to Chris Carson, and we've seen things happen to Chris Carson in the past, Rashad Penny is going to lead every waiver wire column that week, right? And we're going to we're not going to plug him in necessarily exactly where we would have Chris Carson, but it's going to be close. It's not like, you know, it's not like he's 75% of Chris Carson. I think he's much closer than that. And we've seen him have some big weeks in the past. So it's not like we're asking him to do anything that we haven't already seen from Rashad Penny in at least small doses. So kind of feel the same way. I've landed a fair, uh, a fair number of, uh, I've, I've landed Rashad Penny in a fair number of drafts. Feel pretty good about it. It's not like I'm collecting him everywhere and it's not like I'm necessarily tying him to Chris Carson, but he's one of those flyers who's not like, he's not Alexander Madison level as a, as a, a backup running back. Right. But he's probably in that next group where I would feel pretty comfortable ranking him almost where I would have Carson uh, if he were to take over. 
And by the way, Carson would be a round two pick if not for injury concerns. You know, I mean, a feature back yeah. on that on the, on Seattle would be great. So yeah, I mean, yeah, he would be. You said it. Yeah, if he's on a waiver wire, Carson went down. Not only would he be the number one, he'd be worth your entire fab. You know, I mean, he'd be that. Yes. He has that right. much upside. So yes, absolutely, stash penny for sure. It is amazing, by the way, the number of running backs that uh, that Chris Carson has held off over the years, right? Like the number of threats that he's survived. It was Thomas Rawls, it's been Rashad Penny, it's CJ Procise. Like, there's always another Seattle back that we're hyping, and then it just always falls back on Chris Carson, and he's great. Let's take let's take a couple of questions from people uh, in the chat, if we can, before we go, and let's start with uh, let's start with this one from Chuck Metz. Uh, Chuck says. I have the first overall pick. I was planning on getting CMC or another running back. What do you, I mean, this is, first of all, I don't feel bad for you. You've got the first overall pick. It's been a winning spot for years. Uh, It's great. In in my mind, and hey, you alluded earlier to the possibility of moving Zeke Elliott up to number one overall. For me, this is Christian McCaffrey, and I can't, I mean, I could make, you know, I'm a fantasy professional, so I could make the case for other players, but I won't. Like, I get it if you're in a standard league and maybe you want to lean Derrick Henry. But other than that, I I really don't see how we can draft anyone other than the player who has like the two best seasons in terms of receptions by a running back. The, The player who's led the NFL in yards from scrimmage. McCaffrey has been the goal line guy. He's been hyper efficient and he's perhaps the best receiving threat at the position. And he's going to see, I don't know, 120 targets. For me, this is Christian McCaffrey almost everywhere. I get the concern. Maybe last year was the beginning of a breakdown, you know, it was multiple injuries, but, but yeah, he's still number one for me. I mean, Dalvin Cook has missed multiple games every year too. And then Zeke, as much as I talked him up, you know, still a 36 year old with some question marks. So I think it, it, it makes sense. There's a reason why CMC is the consensus number one overall pick. But having said that, I do understand why there's some trepidation. Um, let me ask you, what do you do in Superflex? Like that? It, clearly, that's that's probably not what uh, what what Chuck is asking about. I've had the number one pick in uh, in, in a couple of Superflex formats. Had it in Fishbowl. Went went Patrick Mahomes. Um, I I will typically take a, a running back first overall in a situation or a quarterback first overall in a situation like that. Just because I I hate getting, you know, I love to have a huge positional edge at that spot, but I can see a case for Christian McCaffrey first overall, even in Superflex. Mahomes makes total sense for the reasons I just said, the question marks all these backs have. But but yeah, if you if 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 McCaffrey is healthy and you're in PPR, you're just going to win your league. <laughs> you're just going to be a leg up. So so it's such an advantage. I mean, he was just the win rate he posted two years ago was just like out of control. Anyone who had him on their team pretty much was like, 60%. oh, it was it was outrageous. So, the percentage of teams that ended up making either the fantasy playoffs or the, the their actual fantasy championship was absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, you're right. The, the other thing I, I feel like I should say about McCaffrey is that even though he had, you you know, sort of a medley of injuries last season, there isn't one thing that carries into this year that I'm really worried about, right? Like it's not, it's not even the Antonio Gibson, you know, turf toe situation. It's not like a, a knee that was rebuilt and he's on a really tight timeline or anything like that, right? Like he had a, he had a shoulder, he had an ankle, he had some other stuff, but there's, but there's no reason to like be particularly concerned as we, as we head into September that, that he's going to be dealing with something that's already lasted for, for months. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. Um, we've got a question from Mitch, and this relates to a couple players that we've already mentioned on the show, Damian Harris or Melvin Gordon. How do you feel about that? Well, I've already professed my love and I had to get my hot take on Harris. So yeah, I'm in on him. I know he hasn't done it yet and the receptions are a problem, but no, it's easily Damian Harris for me over, over Melvin Gordon, who's at best going to split work with the rookie. 
Yeah, I feel like this is a tandem that you can actually get if you if you go zero RB. Um, you can get these guys. Like people are running away from Melvin Gordon, and I think Melvin Gordon is still going to have a role. But the whole point of drafting Melvin Gordon is that you don't have to take him like round six or anything like that. And I, I think by the time we're drafting for real and we're past the sort of best ball phase and the, we're past the sort of phase where it's just. I don't know. Fantasy experts are the only ones drafting right now, right? And when we get into late August and everybody's drafting, I feel like Damian Harris is going to move up a little bit. Um, and, and I feel like you can start a draft with five non-running backs and still land Damian Harris. And then a couple more rounds go by and then you get Melvin Gordon like way after Javante Williams is gone. And again, we already talked about it, but there's just no way that a healthy Melvin Gordon isn't going to get at least 50% of the touches in my mind. Like that, that would shock me because he was, he was really good last year. Like a lot of things were wrong for the Broncos, but Melvin Gordon was not one of those problems. I thought Melvin was really good. So I, I agree with you. Harris is the direction that I would go, but I don't mind getting both of these guys. And, uh, and I think Harris deserves to go probably a couple rounds ahead of him right now. Another question coming in from Jimmy Jimmy is asking, it is a one-keeper league. Lamar in the 10th, this is fun, Lamar in the 10th, Antonio Gibson in the 9th, or Justin Herbert in the 15th? Um, obviously, keeper league questions, um, when you're keeping in a specific round, it is, it is just all about round value. And I will often pick against my ranks, right? I'll often not give you the guy that I would actually select in redraft because it, it is just entirely about the value where we're keeping them. This is this is tight because I like Lamar. I like Lamar Jackson a whole lot, but I, I like Antonio Gibson a whole lot too. You wouldn't get any of these guys in these spots or, or anywhere near them today. I'm probably leaning Antonio Gibson here. I mentioned I mentioned the toe injury coming into this season, but I'm I'm super high on him. He was a touchdown machine last year, and I kind of feel like he just scratched the surface last year. So for me, this is Gibson. If you're letting Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert go, they're still in the player pool, right? Like you can still get them. You could take them in the fifth. You know, you can take Lamar in the fifth round or something like that. Um, so I'm probably I'm probably keeping Gibson here. My original instinct was Lamar, who I have right there in tier number one because he's safest. But uh, then I realized it's just a one keeper league, so yeah, it's got to be Gibson here, who you would take the highest in you know in a draft, uh, you know, above Lamar in a redraft. Yeah. So assuming this isn't super flex, as, as concerned as I am about that turf toe taking him in round early round two, uh, getting him as a keeper in round nine here is the no brainer for me. Yeah, and then I I don't know what your keeper rules are for the following year, but like if you've already if you've got Gibson in round nine, I don't know, maybe they elevate a couple rounds, maybe they elevate four rounds. Like he's still going to be a value the following year. Like you're just going to keep you're going to keep keeping Antonio Gibson for a while. I would want him. A couple more questions. This one comes from Smarsha, followed by a whole bunch of numbers. How much do you lean into the consistency of an offense year to year? OC, quarterback, O-line staying. Yeah, this is a um, this is a topic that we talk about a lot. And we, we talked about it a great deal last season, particularly because we had, you know, the, the COVID situation and, um, you, you know, teams weren't even meeting in person. So we all thought to ourselves, wow, if there is year to year consistency and continuity, that's got to be a huge plus. And then like, Carolina was really fun for fantasy, right? Like, like without respect to the to the Christian McCaffrey situation, um, Carolina was still really fun, and uh, you know it, it didn't seem to matter with a new coaching staff. They were great. So there are there are always um, you know there, there are always places where this rule breaks down. For me, I care about it. It's not. It can be like a tiebreaker, um, it, and it definitely gets baked into my overall fantasy ranks. But I, but I want to be careful not to not to focus on it exclusively. I don't know how you feel about this, Dalton. 
I would say that I think offensive line can be a bit overrated, and I'm guilty of that myself, too. I, I, I talk about it a lot, but it, it can be a tad overrated, whereas play calling and OCs may be underrated, and that ties into the consistency, too, uh, changing play callers and whatnot. So, yeah, I think I personally started paying far more attention to the to the play calling and the, and the offensive coordinator situations throughout the league and, and the consistency or whatnot there. So I, I think that is still a little bit underrated. Yeah, it's a good point. I care about continuity continuity a little bit more if we liked a lot of the underlying facts about an offense the year before, not just like how many points they scored and yards they gained, but the pace at which they're playing, the number of plays they're running, things like that. If they, you know, you bring that, like, I love situations like what we have in, in Cincinnati right now where there, there legitimately is year-to-year continuity at the quarterback position. We have the coaching staff. We've got, you know, you know, a couple of couple of young receivers coming back and then they add in this one piece that is potentially, you know, a, a dynamite offensive player in Jamar Chase. Right. Who's already got a little bit of rapport with Joe Burrow. Like those are the offenses that I really get into where I can I can easily imagine them taking a huge next step. And they almost everything is still together, except the O-line looks a little bit better and the receiving core looks a ton better. Like I'm, I'm also looking at what, what additions they've made and how easy it might be to, to weave that in. So um, that would be an example of a team that I care a whole lot about. Can I push back a little on you? I just did a call and saying a quarterback's I'm a little bit down on compared to ECR and Burrow was on there. Um, I get it. He's going to show growth year two and, and they added Jamar Chase and, and, and whatnot, but their offensive line, hey, offensive line is a problem and they have to face... The Ravens, Steelers, and Browns six times. Those are legitimately three of the top five defense in the NFL. He's coming off a torn MCL, so he's not ACL. He's not going to run nearly as much. He had surgery in December. So I don't know why he's going rounds and rounds ahead of Kirk Cousins and Matt Ryan when I think he's essentially going to put up the stats that Baker Mayfield is. Uh, that's just my, my burrow take this year. Coming off major knee surgery, a really tough schedule. And, you know, outdoors, um, he's not going to run. I think he's fine. He's fine. He's like quarterback 15-ish. But, boy, he's getting drafted awfully aggressively in many leagues I'm in. Yeah, I think it's a disaster if he actually gives you Baker Mayfield stats, but uh, like I don't think that's going to happen. I think I think he's probably got a season ahead of him that looks a little bit like Kirk Cousins, that looks a little bit like the you know close to the best of Matt Ryan. I mean that the things that I'm excited about with Joe Burrow are that 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 team was in terms of plays per game, in terms of pace, they were right near the top of the league through 10 weeks when Joe Burrow went down. He was he was averaging 40 attempts a game. And now you, you just take all those targets that were going to A.J. Green and we give them and we're basically wasted on A.J. Green and we're giving him to Jamar Chase. I feel really good about that. Yeah, he would have to take a big leap. He got like 6.7 YPA. I mean, maybe it'll happen, but it, it, it'll def, he'll have to take a leap for him to reach it to match his ADP. But you're right. Adding Chase certainly helps for sure. Burrow put up video game-like numbers in college. I don't know. He's 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 definitely not going to end up on many of my fantasy teams with his current ADP. I'll tell you that much. Uh, of course, we had to end this podcast on some Dalton Del Don buzzkill negativity. Listen, we've got a bunch of other exciting podcasts here. That's gonna that's gonna wrap up this first live show. Again, we're gonna do this again next Monday. I'm excited to do it. Um, if you're looking for other podcasts. Charles Robinson is bringing our NFL pod back. It's uh, it's now you pod to win the game. If you're looking for college talk, follow the College Football Inquirer with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our friend Pat Forty from SI. You should also be listening to Post It Up with Chris Haynes for in-depth NBA conversations heading into free agency. I am Andy Barons, of course, at Andy Barons on Twitter. He's Dalton Del Don at Dalton Del Don. We make it so easy for you to follow us. It's just our names. 
<sighs> live streaming again next Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Please check out the whole team at Yahoo Fantasy on Twitter. Matt Harmon will be back with another episode tomorrow. And until then, thank you, good people. We are out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.